Welcome to today's episode of The Dream in Code Podcast with discussions on software and web development, technology, and IT trends. Here is your host, Dan Delamarski. I was curious about, like, I have a couple questions. Sure. For you. Uh, like, what was the decision to put uh, Silverlight as the base framework for Windows Phone 7? Like, why not develop a completely separate framework like it was for Windows Mobile before this? Uh, well, actually, Windows Mobile before was based on um, originally on Win32 and then .NET Framework and WinForms. Um, when we decided to, uh, you know, make the changes around Windows Phone, and we, we really realized that we needed to completely change pretty much everything. Um, we changed the people, mm-hmm. we, we, the organization. We changed the the, um, the way we worked with our partners, the way we thought about our customers. Um, and I joined the team right as we were making those changes. And uh, it was clear to me that the, 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 the definition of a developer had changed mm-hmm. um, since what, you know, we had done Win32. And that uh, it changed to a, a, a developer that was much more involved in markup and thought about things from a, uh, a, a markup first or a code behind first model as well as building from a service first model where you know, there's not a lot of examples of apps anymore that are only client side code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the level, okay, or a flashlight app, right? Yeah. There's like, but the vast majority. If you look at the thousands of apps we now have in the marketplace, very few of them are client side only. Um, so those factors, one much more design centric mm-hmm. and much more service centric, made us look. Okay, what are the requirements we need for a platform like that? And in the time frame that we have. Um, and it was just a no-brainer. It was so obvious that that to, that Silverlight would um, give us all the advantages we needed um, in the time frame we have, and we, we would come out the gate with great tools. You know, between Visual Studio and the the designer that's built into Visual Studio, and then Expression Blend, which is really unparalleled. Do you use Do you use Blend? Yeah. Much? Yeah. It's really unparalleled in a in that type of developer tool. There's really nothing out there that 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 is as as good as it is. Um, and we were able to basically just utilize that. Mm. Um, so that really is what it came down to. It came yeah. down to first understanding what we wanted to deliver developers and then realizing that um, we already had these assets at Microsoft we mm. could bring forward. And uh, you mentioned Blend. Uh, do you think, well, some developers argue that, that uh, markup, uh, XAML should be written just like HTML by hand. And some people say, well, there's Blend, and you should it optimizes it. So, do you think uh, what are the situations when you should write markup by hand, just writing XAML code, and when should you use Blend? It's up to the developer. You know, this is when I was your age, and I was getting into the industry the same way. It was should I, you know, what's better, x x eighty six assembly language or sixty eight thousand assembly language, right? And it depends on what you're doing. Um, uh, should I use Fortran or Pascal? <laughs> um, it was the same type of debate. It turns out there's different tools for different jobs. And um, I always try and caution people to stay away from these, these polar debates on these mm-hmm. things. They're good. There's people who – there's situations where it makes sense to go directly into the markup and edit it by hand. Um, and sometimes people are wired to think that way the way they are. In other cases, um, uh, people like using a visual tool or they're doing something that requires that level of sophistication. Um, so the cool thing is we support both. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, Windows Phone 7 came out with a completely different UI that's not close to Android, it's not close to the iPhone, it's a completely new approach. So who came up with the whole idea about a tile UI? Um, I think it was a team of people. It was it was you know centered around the, the Windows Phone design team and, and Albert Shum um, is is really the key driving force of that. Uh, my boss, Joe Bellafori, um, uh, was also deeply involved. He's a very design centric, user centric person. Um, he has a real passion for that. Um, and but we tried a lot of different models. Um, and what we we the way we went about it was we said what is what are we trying to accomplish and who is the customer and and recognizing let's let's throw away all our predisposed ideas about what a user experience on any sort of device should be mm-hmm. and let's say it's a mobile phone it is a device that that someone's going to carry around in the pocket and they're going to use in a very different way from the way you use this for example or the way you sit in front of a television and and um, we threw a whole bunch of designs together, tried a bunch of things, and over a period of time, it gravitated to the Metro design t- system, including live tiles. Mm-hmm. So what was the most uh, problematic aspect when it came to developing the Windows Phone 7 as a developer's platform? I think the biggest challenge we faced was, was actually very late in the game, and it had to do with availability of real devices. Um, the emulator is very good. But it doesn't go all the way, and we we just simply did not have enough devices to to really uh, satisfy uh, the the developer community. And uh, getting to a situation where we could still accommodate those in the short time frame we had um, was very challenging. In the end, we pulled it off, and you know the fact the catalog is is populated with high quality apps mm-hmm. means that we, we we did a good job there. But that was that was actually very challenging. Mm-hmm. So. When developing for Windows Phone 7, uh, there are some libraries in Silverlight that are available for Silverlight, but for some reason are not bundled with uh, Windows Phone 7 developer tools, at the same time being compatible with that, like uh, System JSON for JSON serialization. And, uh, what was the reason for not putting them in the bundle? Uh, it, it, we had a development methodology that was one of the principles we applied was we'll do a few things and we'll do them really, really well. And uh, the, the core team working on it, w- for the things that we put in, we really tried to do a really great job. And then either enable things to come after, mm-hmm. being transparent assemblies and so forth and Silverlight makes us allowed to do things, do things after, um, or not at all. Um, and that's an example of something we, we recognize that, that the community future releases, it wouldn't be a blocker, it would be something we could, we could, we could enable over time. Mm. So, uh, assuming that there will be developers switching from other platforms like the iPhone or Android, switching to develop applications for Windows Phone 7, what are some uh, considerations they should remember uh, development-wise when switching to a new platform? Mm. Um, first thing is, is we don't. The very first thing is, is we don't think that end users are going to appreciate apps that are obvious ports. We think that the user experience that Windows Phone brings with the Windows Phone design system is so unique and so differentiated and has its own characteristics that any app that just looks like an iPhone app or looks like an Android app is going to not look good to users. And if you want to be successful in the marketplace, you want high ratings, um, you're going to want to make sure you spend the time to think about the Windows system design system and how you adapt your app into the model that we have because that's the best model for users. Um, I think that's the first thing. Uh, uh, 
the yeah, I, I think that's that's probably the best thing. Mm. So uh, today the keynote, uh, we saw a profiler tool for Windows Phone mm -hmm. Seven, which is basically great because Windows Phone Seven had a uh, third-party profiler provided recently, and this one is an official build. So any estimates on like when it will be available? No, we haven't announced announced anything about that, so um, mm. no details on that. So uh, do you have any plans on uh, collaborating with the uh, Mono guys and bringing the uh, Windows Phone 7 development to other like Mono-supported platforms, at least to some extent? Well, we're, we're in general, we're fans of what uh, Miguel's done. And, you know, I know him personally, and, and uh, um, you know, I think it's great what he's working on and doing. Um, we support him. We don't, we don't have um, any, uh, you know, specific programs or anything there. But you know, we think it's it's great that that the platform technologies, C Sharp, .NET Runtime, Silverlight, um, um, are available to developers in that form. Mm -hmm. So, Windows Phone Seven, uh, we got to test the devices, we got to see the apps that run on them. So, what is one feature in uh, in the system, Windows Phone Seven OS, that you think you are, well, let's say, most proud of being there compared to other platforms? It's like Xbox Live. Um, you asked earlier what I thought one mm -hmm. of the most challenging things was. Mm -hmm. The second most challenging thing was the, was getting great 3D graphics and gaming and then Xbox Live integration. And in the end, it's one of the greatest accomplishments because it's really a something that happened across Microsoft. Um, uh, it's it's where we took the silos within Microsoft, the mobile communications mm -hmm. business and the interactive entertainment Xbox business. And we worked together to create this common, you know, high-value end-user capability that also has a developer uh, value. Mm -hmm. So, um, being able to see my avatar, my phone dance in 3D, is—I just love that. I think it's great. So, uh, the marketplace has quite a few applications now, and uh, what are some products they would like to highlight that are currently in marketplace that are? Uh, Worth mentioning, maybe like a really cool apps, or well, the the apps that I use regularly, um, and this has been consistent for me with smartphones for a long time. Um, I have to have a great Twitter app, and the Twitter app that that uh, the official Twitter app is is really good, um, and I really like, I really enjoy using it. Um, the I have to have a great Facebook experience. The phone has built-in Facebook experience, and, and I find I use that most of the time. But there's certain things that, that – because I'm a fairly heavy Facebook user – that it doesn't support, and having a full Facebook app is great. And it's also a beautiful, well-written, complete app. RSS Reader. I read a lot of news, uh, technology news, and, I, and, and things that I'm passionate about that are technology. And so having a really good RSS reader that synchronizes with my PC so that whether I'm reading news on the PC or the phone, it's in sync. And the feed reader app that's available, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, that I, I really like that app. Uh, and the one that I'm most excited about now is Kindle, the Amazon mm -hmm. Kindle, because I'm a voracious reader. And I have multiple Kindle devices, and um, being able to catch up on a book on, on the phone is mm -hmm. so. I'm really excited about that one. Is that the question came up? Actually, we did a live vlog of the keynote this morning, and one of the students was asking about um, did you, how does this complement your Kindle that you have? You know, will it be sort of the you read it in between? You know, a little more on the bus kind of thing. That's or? how I use it, and and I, I had a different smartphone back when before I was working on this that had a Kindle reader on it. And I would use it then, and, and that does the same thing now because it synchronizes what page you're on. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, I can be up at night, read to end of chapter 7, and put the Kindle away, and then the next day be in the car, picking the kids up at, at, uh, at, at soccer, um, waiting for it to be done while I'm sitting there in the car waiting for them, and I can bring up the Kindle app, and it immediately goes to the beginning of chapter 8, because it remembered where I was. And I can read you know, half a chapter or whatever. And then when I go back and I, that night and I sit down to read it again, it's right there. Yeah. Um, we have some unique things on the, the one that, that, that they built for Windows Phone, which uh, um, the ability to share on what you're reading with friends and, um, uh, and go into the store and, and, and buy books is also there. Cool. You can so share a page or a book. You can share a book. You can say, I'm reading this book. I really like it. You yeah. should read it too. Okay. And now Kindle supports the ability for you to share the books you read so that someone you can actually gift a book to someone mm-hmm. that you've been reading like you like I would if I had finished a book and handed it to you. Which is pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. So, so But that really doesn't have anything to do with us. That's Amazon, right? It's just great that they're they're taking advantage of the platform and sure. and I happen to be personally passionate about it. So what are your expectations about the marketplace growth in the near future? Um our goal is to make sure that end users have the applications they want and are constantly discovering new and exciting things. We don't have any goals around numbers. Like We think the number of apps you have is a complete irrelevant measure. Um, and it doesn't, um, it actually doesn't, the number doesn't do end users any good. It's actually if you have too many and you don't have the right ones, um, users are lost in the noise. So uh, making sure we have the right applications um, is is what we're focused on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would be your final advice for students, Not probably not professional developers, but students who want to pick up Windows Phone 7 development? Well, the cool thing is we've made it free end-to-end for students. As a, as a Dreams, DreamSpark uh, member, you get free uh, registration on the, on the uh, developer portal, the marketplace, and the tools are already free. Um, uh, We've tried to make getting started insanely easy. One download, go to create.msdn.com, single download of the tools. What you've done it, it's probably what a 10, 15 minute install. And then file new project, okay, 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 F5. It's running in the emulator in what, a minute and a half? Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen people who've never written lines of code before immediately be productive in that. Um, just within the, the the GUI markup and start to build apps and start to learn. Um, you know, when I started development, um, my very first programming experience, well, my very first one was I, I broke into my, my cousin's Apple II by accident and started modifying code. But that doesn't count. My real first first experience was my, my dad bought an Apple II, brought it home, and it had this book called Applesoft Basic that came with it. And I remember opening it up and just starting to read it and going to the, the Apple and programming. And w- I feel like we've enabled that level of, of just dive in and get started development with Windows Phone development tools. And it's immediately applicable to your life because if you have a phone, mm-hmm. you can immediately take advantage of those apps you built for your own personal use, um, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of the mar- marketplace, uh, what is the general like approval process? Like what uh, people submitting applications for the marketplace should consider? Uh, like, for example, s- what are some of the aspects that are going to make their apps rejected from the marketplace? Well, the, we, we've tried to make sure we've documented the policies really clearly in the policy document. Um, and the goal is that, it, that, that a developer that submits an application 
if that application gets rejected, but what we, we want to be in a place where that developer will get an application rejected, he'll get the rejection report, certification failed, he'll look at it and he'll say, oh, that's right, I forgot to do that. I read that and I didn't do it. If, if that's the type of failures we have, then we've succeeded. If they get it back and they see it and they say, well, you never said I had to do that, and I checked the documentation and it says you, you know, didn't say it, then we're not doing as well. And so the idea is to make sure the documentation is as clear and transparent as possible. Um, uh, the, 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 the documentation and the, the policies we do have in place are mostly about making sure that we're protecting the overall end user experience on the phone. So it's really about making sure you don't do anything in your application that can cause other applications to fail or the, co the core phone functionality mm -hmm. uh, to be degraded. Um, that's really where our focus is. So when submitting to the marketplace, uh, does the developer have to submit the source code for the application, no. or just the package? Yeah, you just submit the the ZAP file. Mm -hmm. And there's a have you done you haven't done it yet? No. So there's a um, you fill out a form, and one of the, the things in the form is a is a is a, a file browser button you click and it tells you point you point your ZAP mm -hmm. file and and it adds that file. And then you add a couple images because there's some art that has to be mm -hmm. included for showing up in the marketplace and on the Zoom mm -hmm. client software. Like screenshots. Screenshots exactly. Okay. Screenshots and a background image because mm -hmm. if you ever get highlighted, if your app ever becomes um, one of the top apps in the marketplace, um, you'll notice that uh, I'll go into apps here. So if I go into apps, you'll see that the background actually has, um, I think right now it's a, a flight control. No, it's optimize me. Mm -hmm. Right, That background image mm -hmm. was submitted by the developer of this app, and because they're now featured, their image shows up on every user's phone as a background. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a way, if you get promoted, to be promoted even more. So that's what the background yeah. image is. Um, and then you fill in some metadata, um, you know, description of the app and so forth, um, and you hit submit. Mm. And that's it. And, um, and you get a stash that says mm. the progress, and then if it, if it gets accepted, you're notified. If it mm. gets rejected, you get a PDF document back mm. that has, describes mm. what happened. And uh, what, are, what is the expected time to get the app approved or rejected? Like to um, we want to be able to measure it in days. Um, we are we're you know we're early enough in the process that we're not um, we're not really setting out an SLA of what mm -hmm. we expect, um, uh, but so far it's been very quick, so mm -hmm. um, our, our systems are running very efficiently. Mm -hmm.